Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast today, as always, is provided to you by the artist friend of yours. Make sure to go check their stuff out on their SoundCloud. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today, we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Hey Ya by Outkast pop? This is episode 16 of our show, and we have a very, very special guest w- with us today, my r- very, very good friend, Carl Lane III. How are you doing today, Carl? Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I'm doing well. Uh, let me first say, let me get this out of the way, huge fan of the show. Um, I do my damnedest to listen every week. You can ask my man, your host, uh, Anthony, how much I text him about um, the show. But a uh, big fan, love what you guys are doing. I'm um, in Des Moines, Iowa, so you, you got you got a fan here, you know what? And I'm doing what I can to push you guys. So keep up the great work. Thank you very much. At least we have one fan out there. I know we have more, but at least we have one. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, Carl and I went to high school together. Have been friends for a very, very long time, and we're very glad that he's you know, coming with us on the show today. He is part of the group Lavish. That's L-A-V dot I-S-H. They are a great group. Yes, a dot in the middle. Um, They are a great group from Des Moines, Iowa. Carl, plug some of your stuff, man. What do you guys have that has been out right now? And kind of tell us what you're, you know, doing right now with everything. Yeah, man, it's been a minute, I guess, since I've plugged uh, some Lavish stuff. But um, obviously with, with COVID and everything, but Thanks for this opportunity to plug a little bit. Um, our latest project called um, Lost and Fond released in April. Um, so we have some singles off of that uh, that are going around making their way and doing their thing on Spotify, which is pretty neat. Um, no shows coming up, obviously, because of COVID-19, but um, we're, we're still working on stuff, still looking for some things. Um, it's been fun and been fun to see uh, what uh, what what streaming wise if you would um still recording like crazy still writing like crazy so i feel up to, to get our name out there a little more thanks for this yeah man of course yeah absolutely so we are a big fan of lavish obviously on this podcast uh we all know carl very well and we always you know will love their music for everything so please make sure that you check out lavish again that's l-a-b dot i-s-h they have some great stuff out, so make sure that you're listening to them and supporting them. And if they are coming on tour near you too, you know, in the future, please go check them out as well too. So, guys, let's start with what we've been listening to. Stefan, what have you been listening to recently that's been out? Today, um, the song Foreigner by Pop Smoke has been stuck in my head all day due to some TikToks. Uh, she like Poppy. Really? That's on you. TikToks? It's beautiful. I really like that. And I think that album has like really rose to the top of the Billboard charts, just dominating um, mm-hmm. a lot of the Hot 100. Um, so that's been in my playlist specifically today. Um, in addition to that, I did take a listen to the Taylor Swift album. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I got away about halfway through and I actually really liked it because I'm a Boney Vare fan and she's kind of going in a direction towards that folky sound. And I know Chris is a huge Taylor Swift fan, so I'll probably let him speak more about that album, but oh, yeah. it's gotten great reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will definitely say that album. Um, so I, I've, I've definitely had a soft spot for Taylor Swift for several years, and that, that album's been one of the most satisfying things uh, from her in some time. 
Um, I really liked Lover last year, and it's kind of like it's definitely the other side of the same coin. Um, so yeah, give that a shot if you like the National or Bon Iver. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Eric Prides um, and uh, just other artists that play at Tomorrowland around the world this weekend. Um, that's been I, I just uh, just finished watching Eric Pride's set. Absolutely incredible. Um, other, other than that, I have been listening to a bit of the Pop Smoke album. Um, I finally got around to listening to Juice World's album that came out recently. Definitely good. Um, have, have any of y'all listened to that? Uh, previously I hadn't, I'd only heard Righteous, but I, I think the whole album's pretty solid. Yeah, I think if you, if you get in that mood, he, he's, he's a total, he's a total vibe, if you yeah. would. I think it's the best way to say Um, but if you're. If you're there and you're vibing and, and very um so one of my roommates he's like 22 years old so he's super gen what is it gen z yeah um, <laughs> but um that that man will blast the music in his bathroom and you can hear it throughout the house so that's definitely what um helped me give uh give juice world a chance but he i thought he did some awesome things and it was kind of it's kind of cool uh researching and seeing what he did as a musician um and sure, what sure. he meant obviously to that generation uh he obviously meant so much to the um but yeah i thought he did a great job with that album mm-hmm. yeah what else have you been listening to carl besides some juice world um uh, what was that a couple days ago j cole drop i um i enjoyed him i liked him um if i had to pick one it probably would have been um lion king on ice Probably was my favorite one of the two, just because I thought he did an awesome job with that hook. Um, other than that, so on our um, Spotify um, page, on our Spotify, on Lavish's Spotify radio, um, there's a group that constantly comes up. They're called The Brook and The Bluff. Hmm. Um, they're pretty indie, but they're they're super dope. I finally gave them a chance, um, obviously because they've been popping up on our stuff for two years, but. They've got some awesome tunes, um, super smooth. Uh, the vocalist does a fantastic job. So those are probably okay. that, including the Juice World. Oh, Pop Smoke! I gotta say, Pop Smoke. He did oh, a yeah. song, R.I.P. So, um, yeah, a lot of I feel a lot of good music out recently. So yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. Question: yeah. I haven't listened to either of the J Cole songs yet, but um, you said one of them's Lion King on Ice. Is that a callback to Young Simba? Oh, ooh, good cat. I would yeah. probably, probably. I, I I would love that if that's the case. That's a classic. He's grown Simba now with the mane and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, he's got hair. Both, both songs will run you about a little over eight minutes, but um, worth worth a listen. Something to come back sure, to sure. as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Carl, I, I have a question regarding, uh, you know, Lavish um, in terms of new music. Who are you inspired by? And then, you know, this pot, the second part of the question is this is like a podcast focusing on 2000 sound. Like, who are you inspired from that decade? And you have a pretty eclectic sound. So that's why I'm asking. Kind of goes into a bunch of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, let me first say, um, me specifically, but I guess as a group, even, we write to a vibe, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's say Brandon. Brandon's one of the producers in the group. He'll throw us a beat. And whatever vibe we're feeling, honestly, it will. That's how it will get written. So if we're talking two thousands, um, we have a song called Homer Simpson, and for some reason, I was catching like a Nelly vibe 
I was just like, you know what, let's go for that. Totally. And so that's kind of that's kind of how I wrote to that. Um, um, other than that, definitely, and Scarps, uh, Anthony can attest to this. I'm largely influenced by Chance the Rapper, um, and who else? Oh, Nim, the other vocalist in the group. He's um, a large part of our '90s hip hop sound. Uh, and if there's one other group, believe it or not, we always, always hear comparisons to Outkast um, to draw everything full circle. But we do hear that a lot. I could see it. I really could. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that with one of the songs on the latest album, I said initially that I thought that Carl sounded like Danny Brown. But then Chris said, I think that he sounds like Andre 3000, actually, yes. too. And I was like, you know, actually, I see that even more, too. So I can definitely see that. Um in terms of I've I've been listening to um, the main song I've been listening to is Go Cubs Go um, by Steve Goodman. <laughs> um, baseball is back, baby! So I am very happy uh, that the Cubs are back. So Go Cubs Go has been in my uh, list. Uh, still some Jack Harlow too. Um, Jack Harlow, I thought that he was a frat rapper. I mentioned this last episode that I was listening to what's popping, but he's incredible. His flow is amazing, and to get the baby. Tory Lanez and Lil Wayne on one song on a remix of your own song is incredible. So just amazing that he can do that to a lot of pop yeah. smoke. Um, the woo is an amazing song. Uh, my girlfriend yes. was like, I don't know what the woo is. And I'm like, I don't either. It's gotta be his group or whatnot, but it's freaking hilarious too. And, you know, just to have, you know, people, you know, after he passed away and have people carry on his legacy, such as like 50 cent and, you know, like other people, it's incredible. So great that he's been able to have that stuff. And then the juice world stuff, I've listened to a couple of that too. And like, I think that he went way too soon because juice world would have definitely had some, you know, more and more hits. He still does, but like crazy that he went so soon and, you know, rest in peace to juice world too, but Keep listening to everything. We're going to put the Lavish page in our show notes as well, too, so that you guys can go and check out that stuff. Listen to Lavish Radio on Spotify, too. And just listen to everything we've been going on. But let's get into the episode here. As you all know, for legal reasons, we can't play the song. But please go support Andre 3000 and Big Boy. They make up Outcasts. We want you to go and stream all their music if you can. Uh, support them any way we can as well. And then on the other side, we're going to break it down with Memories history, production, and of course the lyrics. So here, listen to some notes that remind you of Hey Ya by Outkast, and we'll see you on the other side. So now that we are back, let's go to some of our memories in the song. To be honest, guys, we all have seen Outcast. So Carl and I saw Outcast together at Lollapalooza, and Stefan and Chris have seen Outcast together at Lufest in St. Louis. So we haven't all seen them together, but we got to see them. So really awesome that we got to see them. But let's break down some of our memories. I'll kind of start with Hey Ya. Um, I listened to it the other day. I've listened to it a million times, right? Uh, I have a lot of memories with the song. One of them actually is shout out to Max Nelson, one of our friends uh, of the podcast. 
Him and I sang this song at karaoke in Carmel, Indiana, actually, oh. uh, three years ago. Oh. Yes, we did. We sang this, and it was a very mix of like younger people, older people, and I feel like everyone knew this song. Like even when we we did it, and like everyone was kind of like vibing, and they were going nuts over it. And I think that's kind of what really sets this song apart. Um, and we'll get into it, of course, on why it's such a great song and, you know, from lyrics, production, history, everything with Outkast. But it was one of those songs that everyone knew and everyone could sing to. And I think that's what made it an amazing song. And Stefan's going to get into it, too. It was double album. So Andre 3000 had his side of the album and Big Boy had his side of the album. But they were still Outkast together. But Andre 3000, this was like his, like, not coming out party, but it was his way of being like, Hey y'all, like I'm here and I'm staying and like this is an amazing song to do and it's so simple and it's so amazing and I think it's just a testament to say that Max and I could do it at karaoke and everyone was going to know it from like 21 at the time that we were, 22, all the way up to like 50s or 60s. So really incredible song um, in its own right. So Stefan, what do you remember with this song? Yeah, like uh, people our age were probably nine when this song came out. So this was really my first introduction to Outkast, even though they had been successful for a decade before that. Um, so I think it really put them on the map outside of hip hop because the genres that uh, Andre 3000 infused into his half of the album are just really wide ranging. And it's beautifully done because he is really talented in terms of playing instruments, uh, writing lyrics and delivering them, whether it's rapping or singing. So I think it really was a stamp on his coming out party, like Anthony said. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of solo work from him since, but if people remember Andre 3000 for this song, he should be remembered for more, but that's awesome. Yeah. Chris, what do you remember with uh, Hey Ya, or just even Outkast in general, like Stefan said, nine years old yeah. when this came out, but like... Yeah, no, I mean, this was, well, that's the thing is I remember, I do remember this song on the radio at the time. And it's, it's one of those songs that kind of to your point, like people from 21, when y'all were singing it to whatever age, like you, everyone can understand the vibe of this song. Um, I think, uh, I think it's like quintessential Andre 3000, really. Um, he kind of like, so I, uh, so I remember, <sighs> must have been like 16 or so i picked up a copy of speaker box the love below for like $3. i think i remember that we yeah. were at uh, a local like down in, store yeah, yeah down in the valley um and we uh and so i got really into andre's side of the album um and he's got a really good mix of sound on there that's kind of it kind of ranges from rock r&b um you know pop rap like he like he goes and runs the gamut and the song kind of just kind of just swirls everything into one. Um, I I've always uh, it's a, it's always been one of those songs that you don't get tired of it. Um, and I feel like that's pretty impressive given how much it's been played throughout our lives. Like it like any in the hands of a lesser artist, it would have been uh, overplayed, I'd say. But I um uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I heard it on the radio like probably February. I remember I was in an Uber um, on the way to one of the last pre-COVID things that I had done. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's still being played today uh, as it should be. Yeah, 
And Carl, what do you remember with this song? I know we saw it together too, but like just you said, like Outcast influences you guys, you know, with your music and stuff too. So what do you mm-hmm. think about, you know, Hey Ya and what do you remember with it? Like kind of. Oh man, the biggest thing to me is it, it's a song that's just out of the box, especially when you look where where these gentlemen are from. Like mm-hmm. on like they they're they're especially at the time, um, they just weren't. No one was making music like that, and the way um, um, Andre Three Thousand carries himself over an instrumental is incredible. Um, I think the song itself, why it has transcended just time the way that it has um because it's incredibly inclusive and it feels inclusive and it feels like man it just feels like it's it's a feel-good song you know what i mean um and it's also just a song that i feel like i cannot it it feels like it's been around forever um if it feels like this song yo it feels like the song was in the 90s it feels like this song was in the 2000s in the 10s and yo it's still here in 2020 it's absolutely just in, incredible Incre- timeless exactly um incredible work by andre 3000 and Outcast. yeah and we talked about crazy on the last episode being like timeless and like this is another timeless song too and you know like everyone's gonna listen to it and it sounds like it's not part of a certain era which is what is really part of a timeless pop song and we asked Carl when we had him on what song he wanted to do, and he said, "How about Hey Ya by Outcast?" And it was a perfect song to do in many facets. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, maybe the best song we've done to this point too. That might be you know throwing it out there a little bit, but it's definitely up there when you're looking at um, songs. And we'll probably see within the top ten back then and like other things where it really does you know end up with everything too. But um, we want to break down some of the stuff going on with this song. So, Stefan, let's break down some of the history of Outcast. I know there's a lot to break down with everything. Uh, another Atlanta artist, too. Another um, one. We, we always another joke one. about how Atlanta is so influential and how we do it and how they have so much stuff going on. But it is just telling. We, we can't yeah. stay away from Atlanta even if we try and I love all Atlanta rap, you know, pop everything too. So yeah, exactly. ATL ho. So uh, we want to make sure that we give them the credit where it's due, and it's pretty prevalent now too. But let's get into Outcast, which is Andre Three Thousand and Big Boy. Sure, yeah. So we'll take it back to '92, like Anthony set the stage. We are in the ATL, and there's good reason for that. Uh, but the ATL sound, as we know it, really hadn't developed at that point in '92. Um, So as you know, we start out with two members. You have Andre 3000 Benjamin and Antoine, better known as Big Boy Patton. Um, They meet at a young age. They're teenagers. And originally, I always like to look at, you know, what um, duos or bands called themselves to begin with. They initially wanted to be called the Misfits or Two Shades Deep. Um, Unfortunately, both of those names were taken. So I think Andre 3000 took out a dictionary, looked up synonyms for Misfit. Or a, thesaur- a thesaurus, right? Not, Not a, a dictionary, yes. a thesaurus. Yeah, yeah if you're looking up uh, synonyms. <laughs> good good catch, grammar school, Anthony. Um, so he, he found uh, Outcast next to Misfit, and he liked that, just replaced the uh, C with a K. And that was kind of a common thing that they would do in a lot of their song titles, replace that C with a K. So I thought that was cool that I didn't know that fact. Um, we could have had the Misfits instead of Outcast. But anyway... The misfits are like a, sorry, the Misfits are like a punk band, right? 
I think so. Yeah, I was unfamiliar with them, but upon looking them up, they had been around uh, since the 80s, so I think that lines up. And uh, like we discussed in the last episode, like I just mentioned, the Atlanta scene wasn't really developed yet, but Outkast was kind of like one of the founding fathers of that sound. And um, the guy we covered last episode, CeeLo Green, was also involved. They were in a collective known as the Dungeon Family, so that's where the CeeLo connection comes in. You have Goody Mob, and then you have the producer... um, Organized Noise, which has Sleepy Brown. And Sleepy Brown would be a common collaborator with Outkast um, throughout their career. So those three groups really formed that Atlanta sound in the 90s. So we have Outkast. They've joined with other Atlanta forces. They released their first album in 94, a few years after forming. And I'm going to try not to butcher the first name of the album. Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music. There you go. You got it. I think I did that. Last time I butchered it. It, It's all one word. (laughs) I had to break it up. Um, So this went platinum, but their debut isn't really remembered when we look back at their um, catalog in terms of commercial success. However, it was unique in the time because if you think about rap in the early 90s, you had the East Coast sound and the West Coast sound. There was a huge rivalry. This kind of put Atlanta on the map in terms of hip hop, and it would really stay there and dominate the next few decades. And then I'll just run through their discography really quickly because we have four albums before we get to Speaker Box, Love Below. Uh, AT Aliens is uh, released in 96, goes double platinum. Uh, more reggae dub sounds from this. They're kind of expanding, and their persona of being weird and futuristic comes out. And we know uh, Andre 3000 probably had a role in that. Aquamini, am I pronouncing that correct? No, Aquamini. I know I would butcher something. Okay. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, the, as uh, the name suggests, it combines Aquarius and Gemini. Uh, those are the two zodiac signs of the two members. I don't know who is who. Um, I th- I'm going to guess Big Boy is an Aquarius, just office personality. 50% but chance. 50%. We'll <laughs> see. You can fact check me on that. Uh, this reaches number two on Billboard 200, and we get the song Rosa Parks, which is probably their first oh. big radio hit. Beautiful. What do you guys think of that song? Classic. Uh, well, I have a story with Rosa Parks, actually. So, uh, Carl, remember this. Um, we were uh, at, you know, Lala, and I said, we have some, you know, stuff that we could, you know, maybe light up, essentially. And uh-huh. I said, uh, I said, when Rosa Parks comes on, I'm going to... You were talking about gonna... fireworks, right? I didn't mean to Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. So I said, oh, I, said yes. I said, when Rosa Parks comes on, that's what... You know, that's what I'm going to use mine. And that was like the second or third song in their set. And I was like, oh, oh here we go. Um, <laughs> I remember Carl, I was like, well, uh, here we go. Uh, so that was uh, with Rosa Parks because that's one of my favorite uh, Outcast songs. And like, it was just hilarious because I'm like, I, they, they'll probably wait a little. And it was like their second or third song they played after B.O.B. And I was like cracking up because I'm like, here we go. So Rosa Parks is a great song and very chill and, you know, one of the, you know, typical songs when you think of Outkast. Yeah, totally agree. Um, that really kind of put them on the mainstream map. They were around in hip-hop circles, but that started to bubble up um, in terms of mainstream radio play. And then just another two years later, they're pretty consistent releasing albums every two years. We get a really great album, Stinkonia. And this is when they started to kind of become more of a force with their record label they actually got their own studio in atlanta and called it what other than stinkonia studios 
And this is where Andre 3000 begins to kind of expand beyond hip hop. He's starting to rap in melodies, which kind of threw the producers off and the lyrics become more political. And that's really led by uh, big boy. Think about the song bongs over Baghdad, B.O.B. really political. And then miss Jackson, you kind of have that melodic rapping that really wasn't around at the time. That song's actually about Erica Badu's mother who he broke up with. Um, so kind of really diversified their sound and led us right into speaker box, Love Below, the album, um, released in 2003, where we get the song Hey Ya with an exclamation point. So this is the duo's fifth album. And like Anthony mentioned, this is really unique because each member, Big Boy and Three Stacks, had their own side of the album. So Big Boy had speaker box, and we have great songs on here. We have The Way You Move with Sleepy Brown, beautiful, uh, ghetto music, and then Andre 3000 has the side called The Love Below. And here we have Hey Ya and Roses and much, much more. So how did like a successful hip-hop duo that released four albums as a collective unit execute such like a unique and massive project? It's really interesting, and there's a lot of backstory. Um, Andre 3000 actually wanted to pursue acting after Stankonia. He moved to L.A., tried to act, landed some minor roles, but it was like in a TV show and a not too successful movie. Uh, but he was like, I need to record a solo album. So because he was interested in the melodic rapping, like I was mentioning with Stankonia, he starts like singing and he starts really teaching himself instruments. He, he could play instruments, but this was his first crack at actually starting to incorporate them into the music. And the sound he was aiming for was not hip hop, but I like equate it to basically Prince. So he's taking pop, funk, electro, jazz, and a lot of that is prevalent in the song we're covering today, Hey Ya. And then lyrically, he was still like dealing with the breakup of Erica Badu. Um, Think about the song Roses, kind of deals like with that heartbreak. So he gets recording on this. He records five songs and he's like, I need to call it Big Boy. We're not ready to split up yet. Uh, so he calls it Big Boy. Big Boy is also recording music of his own, preparing to release a solo album. Um, but he's like, yeah, we can release these as a double feature. Maybe even we'll make a movie out of it. So this thing was this, supposed to be a movie. Uh, this was supposed to be the soundtrack to that movie. And hold tight there because that comes back. But Big Boy was up to recording his own solo music. And it was really staying true to that sound that um, Outkast landed on the map with. Um, Southern hip hop roots big bass, lyrical. And if you were to look at the two um, members of Outkast, I would say Big Boy is a much better technical rapper than Andre 3000. Andre 3000 is really versatile and an amazing musician, maybe much more wide-ranging than Big Boy, but I'd say Big Boy's flow is um, very unique and kind of guided that Atlanta sound that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's what Speaker Box is about. So they record them independently, but they're collaborative because they're critiquing each other's music. They're recording it over four studio locations, which is insane. 120 songs total. But wow. then they're like, we got to cut this down. We get 39 <laughs> songs across the uh, two albums. That's still a lot. For for yeah. one album, 20 songs like ish is a lot. Like I know Drake does it now, of course, for streams and everything, but like that's a At lot that time, for an especially. album. Yeah. Oh, hell mm-hmm. yeah. That is. And what 
group or anyone is putting out a double album like honestly at this time let alone a a double album they're like basically two solo albums they right two different sounds it's innovative it's unique there's nothing like it and when we think about the song hey uh that's also the case there um and the result is a huge huge success we don't need to really explain why you have two great musicians in their own right and they do their own solo thing and combine it you get a double package chris what did you pay for that album i thought it was great roi because you paid x amount of dollars for 39 songs yeah that was a cool three dollars i still have the sticker on the cd (laughs) i found it the other day um it's so that's a i math wise that's under a dollar a song i want to say it's beautiful it's like under 30 cents a song that's under okay you did the math i didn't do the math but i I basic math i don't know (laughs) math so chris was not the only person to buy this album a lot of people did it's certified 11 times platinum with 11 Jesus. million sales. It's one of the best selling albums of all time, rightfully so. Um, and a lot of that commercial success came from the first single, Hey Ya, which was released uh, a few weeks before the album was September 9th, 2003. So Hey Ya first moves up the chart um, really about a month after it's released. Debuts at 57, October 18th, 2003. The Way You Move was also released around the same time. It's 25 when that song goes number 57. So Hey Ya would actually pass it later. And that's a beautiful song in its own right. Maybe we'll cover that another day, but that's the big boy um, lead single. Hey Ya eventually goes to number one on the Hot 100, December 13th, 2003. And it would stay there for nine consecutive weeks. And one interesting thing I found is that this led digital tracks for 17 straight weeks. I didn't know they were really counting digital tracks at this point in 2003. Chris, was the iTunes store really a force at this point? I'm thinking Napster, but I don't know. I wasn't around to make purchasing decisions at nine. Maybe, you know, I'll be honest. I don't remember that. I don't remember what it was. I think, um, yeah, it was around like 2004 that I remember it becoming really a force. Um, I... I have this I have this distinct memory and I don't remember what year it was of uh, my dad and I walking into some store where they were demoing iTunes back when it was like the green uh, logo on on the program and um, and me just like so so that means we have to buy CDs right (laughs) but um, and I want to say I was like eight um, which would put us around um, 2002 three so I don't know. That's a long-winded say, way of saying I have no idea, but that's wild that it that it was that successful digitally as well. Yeah, and I'm sure digital didn't account for the majority of the sales at this point, 2003, but mm-hmm. kind of probably one of the landmark songs, one of the first huge hits to uh, get digital sales. So in, in addition to all the commercial success, critics loved the song, understandably. They called it the highlight of both solo albums, The Collective Speaker Box and The Love Below. And the comparisons here, I think, are really great. They basically said, take Prince, uh, the Prince song, Little Red Corvette, take the Beatles' use of harmonies, and then the way uh, the vocal delivery is by Andre 3000 is very reminiscent of Little Richard. So Carl said the song's timeless. There's like three or four different decades, and then you blend some uh, Atlanta hip-hop in there. You get a really timeless sound. It's crazy. The, the Grammys, 2004. 2004. It's nominated, it's nominated for record, record of the year. Loses to a song called "Clocks" by Coldplay. Oh. 
looking full back, circle. I, full circle. yeah, full, <laughs> I, full circle. <laughs> I disagree with that. Um, but you know, yeah. it was a popular song at the time. That's a tough call, honestly, then, because in, in 2003, 2004, like, Clocks is amazing. It's an amazing song, but so is this. So it probably was, I mean, it had to be split with the voters, I mean, honestly. Like, it being something new, too, you know, yeah, it's going to it's gonna kind of knock it off. Not that that's any disrespect to Hey Ya. Right. No, I mean, I as a big Coldplay fan, Clocks did not deserve that. <laughs> Yeah, Clocks was basically like a, a light U2 song, so that was something yeah. probably the Grammy uh, voters were used to. So that's yeah, a that's like a, that's a bunt. That song is a bunt. Yeah, and <laughs> and in two thousand four too, like I mean, hip hop does hip hop dominates now a lot of the time, right? So like maybe right. two thousand four, like with the Grammys voters and everything, it might have been something that they're like, I don't know, we're not into hip hop, or you know, this is a mm-hmm. pop song, and it's all its own, right? But they're like, we're not into hip hop, so Clocks would beat it out maybe for sure you know, just being sounding like something that they weren't used to, essentially. I don't know. We got to remember, even back then, like it it took them so long to even start to broadcast the um, hip hop awards at the Grammys. Mm -hmm. True. true. I mean, they weren't they weren't getting the respect they deserve. Yeah. And to that point, like it did win a best urban alternative album. So they kind of like carved out that category just mm-hmm. for that genre, which to this day I think exists. Mm-hmm. Which is which is really wait. So sorry, was it best urban alternative for Slash the song or for the album? Album the uh, the song okay. also both. Sorry, it's made to make that distinction both album and song. See, uh, yeah, that that's a whole thing that I I always feel weird about with the Grammys. I mean, the song isn't even hip hop. Like, I don't think it should be. like thrown in that way you know like it's basically a straight up alternative song with hip-hop roots Mm -hmm. yeah but they shoehorn it in so Mm -hmm. and that's something tyler the creator complained about i think in this recent um Um, so it really not a a lot has changed in 16 years uh rolling stone we talk about this list a lot the 500 songs of all time this song ranks pretty high considering um if you want to take a look back at 500 songs throughout music history, modern music history, it's number 182. So I think crazy. Awesome. Yeah. 182 out of 500 all time worth it. Yeah. See, it's always interesting though, to me because it is an Andre 3000 song, but it's, it's going under outcast, you know, it's kind of crazy how that works. I'm sure Big Boy didn't mind. Uh, oh, absolutely not. But but it is funny. He has no problem with that. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. But it's still funny because you're like, it is an Andre 2000 song, but they were still together. They decided to do stuff differently and collaborate, you know, here and there. So, yeah, maybe he does mind in the fact, you know, not one of his songs made it to that point, but he's still getting the paychecks and he collaborated. So, mm-hmm. um, so we can see that this song has a huge impact off the bat, but when we look back about 16 years after the fact, I think there's two cultural icons that this song is remembered for. And the first is funny, and I think we remember it now, and this is so dated, uh, Shake It Like a Polaroid Picture. Polaroids at the time were not faring that well. Like um, <laughs> Think about in the 90s, we had Kodak disposable cameras, those were cheaper than a Polaroid camera. Kodak you could buy and throw away, develop at the drugstore. But not only that, you had digital cameras rising up. 
and the cell phone, the camera, that, that was just coming out. Like we had flip phones with cameras. So Polaroid's a dying beast. And uh, Andre 3000 includes that lyric in this song and it becomes like the dance move people do when they remember this song. And uh, Polaroid, like I said, was struggling. They declared bankruptcy in 2001, but they loved the shit out of this. Um, <laughs> they paid Outkast to hold Polaroid cameras when they performed concerts. They had parties um, where Polaroid would be passed out. <laughs> and it's funny because at the same time they were doing that, yeah, they're going, they're, it's like a dying effort, last grab. And at the same time, they're saying, here's a Polaroid camera. We love the song, the lyric, shake it like a Polaroid picture. They released stuff on their website. They said, please do not shake your Polaroid pictures. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That that was, yeah, I was going to get to that in the lyrics too, but that's freaking hilarious. Like, you're not supposed to shake them. But he goes, I didn't know please that. shake it I like a Polaroid picture. And like, yeah, I remember like reading that one time. They're like, do not shake your Polaroids. And like Andre 3000 out here like, you know, eleven-time platinum album being like, please shake it like a Polaroid picture. Like they were probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> People shook a lot more than Polaroid pictures to this song too. I mean, oh, I've shake, I've shaken my ass many times to this. Song. Oh yeah, who can blame you? I'm sure the Just... ladies love that. Uh, so yeah, the reason why they don't want you shaking this uh, picture is if you take a look at a Polaroid picture, it actually is sealed in like a plastic window. It's really thin. And they said that when you wave it around, that separates the plastic protection and can actually distort the photo. So you get a blurry effect. So it completely yeah, distorts the all. picture. That, well, is, I mean, that is hilarious. Unless you're an Instagram influencer who's like taking Polaroid pictures now. Right. Um, or so maybe you want that. them to be blurry if you're an influencer. I don't know. Maybe it's the, it's the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, good you want, point. You need the aesthetic. And... Um, Polaroid, you know, they, like I said, they kind of like used this to their advantage. They hired an advertising agency to hand out cameras, paid Outcast to keep doing it. At the same time, they were telling people, don't shake it. They would declare bankruptcy again in 2008. They're still alive to this day. But like I said, really relying on the Instagram influencer, people taking pictures of a physical picture and then thinking that's part of their aesthetic. So they're still around. Um, so that's the one aspect of the cultural icon of this iconic piece of this song hey ya. the second is the music video uh what do you guys remember from that music video before i kick it off there were a bunch of andre 3000s in the music video yeah. right <laughs> right like over and yeah. over and you're like you're like what is going on because like in what like when this came out you've been like that's not possible right to have all these people at one time that's what i remember um i probably remember it's that's one of those videos and just the the, the essence of the song and everything. Anytime I watch it, I'm like, damn, I just watched that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, mesmerizing. It pulls big you fan in. Of it. Yeah, and understandably, there's like, uh, like Anthony said, there's eight uh, Andre 3000s, and um, it's meant to mimic a band, and the band they're mimicking is the Beatles. Um, we said that critics kind of pointed to the Beatles in the background harmonies uh, as inspiration. So the Beatles went on the Ed Sullivan show in the 60s, and this is kind of copying that, but it's much more colorful. I was going to say, it was like, it reminded me of like Bandstand or whatever it was, like, you know, in Greece when they go on Bandstand, like that was like what it reminds me of. And it's like, oh, this is like, you know, way in, you know, the past, but it's also like, you know, we're a huge ass group and we're going to like, you know, have all these people going crazy over us. And that was what the music video was like, too. 
Yeah, the um, I was gonna say my my memory of this music video is watching it as a kid, and then my dad being like, "Hey, hey, you know it's supposed to be the Beatles." <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Yeah, that's." I'm like, "Yeah, that's a, that's that's what's happening." And trying to educate. Trying yeah, to educate. He, he's I'm making like, that I'm, point. Like we can be as big as the Beatles, and I mean this yeah. song rose to the mm-hmm. heights that the Beatles did. Um, yeah. An interesting thing is that uh, Three Stacks had the decision. He basically wanted to make it the Beatles, but inversed. The Beatles had the British invasion, so they were a British pop band appearing on an American TV show, the Ed Sullivan Show. In the music video, uh, the band is called The Love Below, so that's the name of his side of the album. And uh, they are an American plan band playing on a British TV show, so it's the opposite. Okay. And Big Boy is in the video. He is the band's manager in the very beginning. So there weren't eight of him, but he was there. Present. One of them, but... Yeah, and and I'm sure he got paid. Uh, But another interesting thing about Big Boy and this video is uh, if you watch the Way You Move video, those two videos, Hey Ya and The Way You Move, are cut so you could watch them seamlessly. Either um, You could start with either in the beginning and you could follow it with the next. So the beginnings and the ends match up. Mm-hmm. I I think so. They were released really close. Hey Ya might have been first, but what's interesting is that the way you move kind of charted higher than Hey Ya at first, and then Hey Ya would pass it. But the way you move was a successful song in its own right. Yeah. It was played in the clubs even when we talked about Roxy's last week. It's shut shut down now. But <laughs> like the way you move would play, and you would like you'd be like like I wouldn't remember Hey Ya as much in the club, but like they would play the way you move because it was one of those that was like really easy to mix into and it was like you know so smooth that you could do it it's more sultry yeah mm-hmm. um and then this music video like i said it's iconic one of the best of the decade it won the mtv music video of the year award and it was nominated for a grammy award for best short form music video but it lost to johnny cash's uh rendition of hurt mm. which is kind of valid and i think he died around the time so yeah it makes sense so we get this massive hit. It's, you know, has a lot of sales. It's helping Polaroid survive. We have a great music video. Uh, this is Outkast's biggest hit of their career. What do they do after Hey Ya and Speaker Box, The Left Below? Um, remember I mentioned that they wanted to make a movie from this album. They get to do that in 2006. They release Idlewild, which is a movie. It is very strange. It's set in the Prohibition era and... It, the soundtrack uh, is infused to the music. It's kind of like Moulin Rouge, but like I said, it's depression, prohibition era with hip hop, um, but with a bluesy country flair. Critics didn't love it. It got 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the album wasn't as commercially successful. Uh, it did sell a lot of album sales, but nothing really charted. Chris, do you like this album? I think you might have owned this one too, if I don't recall. Uh, I never owned it, but um, the um, the Idlewild, like the title track, the Don't You Worry About Me, I, I really liked that song back in the day. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't, you know, it doesn't have the memorable uh, songs that, you know, Speaker Box, Love Below, or Quem and I do. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's good in its own right. Um, I, I will say it definitely seems like something that was written for the film. Um and kind of loses some of its context without the visual. Um, and 
you know, for better or worse. I mean, that's not a knock on the album necessarily, just very much. I think that was just very much entwined in what was inspiring them at the time. That it's a long album. I, I just looked up out how I was like, I remember it being a long album, but 25, 25 songs. Is, I, I yeah. it was so long and, like, long. and I remember Damn. when we saw Outcast, like Idlewild gets lost for me a lot in their discography. And I remember like looking at when things were coming on, and I was like, you know, I'd look at a song, I'm like, what is this? And it was like from Idlewild. I'm like, I don't remember yeah. this like as much. And it was one of those that, yeah, I think that. You're going to get into it, Stefan, but I think they just needed a break at this point and like they, they took it. But mm-hmm. like this was one that you're like, man, you had such good albums like, you know, back to back to back to back. And like this was the one that was like, I think that you guys are just a little gassed and it's not awful, but like it gets lost a little bit. Yeah, it's not at the same par. No, not at all. Yeah, it's uh, when you look at their discography, this one has the worst reviews. And like you said, that's not a knock on Idlewild, but more of an attestment to how successful Outkast was for their through their first five. Um, so like you mentioned, they needed a break. They took a hiatus. And um, for a few years, neither of them really did much. Big Boy released an album that I liked at the time in 2010. It's called Sir Lucius Left Foot, colon, the son of Chico Dusty. And the song I loved really at the time and still love is Shutterbug. Um, it's just really that Southern hip-hop style, huge bass, great bass, and mm. his flow is impeccable. I still play that. That's one of those like bass check songs I have um, if I need to test out how well the bass is on either headphones or my car. <laughs> nice. I think that that yeah. was like the first song he did when we saw them live because they did stuff together. Then they went to three Three Stacks and then to Big Boy, and I think – Shutterbug was one of the first ones, and you're like, man, this is this song is so good, and like you know, mm-hmm. like it's just that the the bass, like you said, and like everything with it is just incredible. So it, it's a great song that he got to make on his own. And I'm glad he did get to. Yeah, he would keep going. Um, three more albums, not as successful as that one. The one that's really interesting is he had a collaboration with the indie band Fantagram in 2015, mm-hmm. and they called themselves Big Graham. Big Boy, Fantagram, Big Graham. Uh, that was, I liked it at the time. I haven't listened to it in a while. I have to circle back, but. Drum Machine I'd, was the big one off of that one. I drum think. Machine, yeah. yeah. I'd say if they skew more towards one of the artists, it's definitely Fantagram than mm. Big Boy. Yeah, it's more electronic I, influenced. Yeah. Exactly. I will uh, I will also put in my hat for Vicious Lies and Dangerous Rumors, the album just before that. Yes. I really, I really like a lot of the songs on that one. Uh, In the A is great, and then um, the the features with Lil Dragon are fantastic. I think that's where he first uh, collaborated with Fantagram as well. Yep, you're right. That he really kind of expanded his features on that one, um, and that's how he met them. So Big Boy was up to a lot. On the other side, Andre Three Thousand kind of went into the dark. Never released a solo album, but that doesn't mean he wasn't completely dormant uh he had a cartoon network show class of 3000 oh in 2006 God. You guys I holy cow dude flashback <laughs> i bet you all forgot about that now it's just like mm-hmm. whoa that happened it's a yeah, blip it's one of those in time it gets like it unlocks a part of your brain for a second <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> <yeah."> <laughs> it was pretty good if i remember like yeah. i i also forgot about it until i read about it uh, but then i remember the theme song and it all came rushing back yeah. You, know, you mentioned Tyler the Creator earlier, and Tyler the Creator had a show on you know Cartoon Network Adult Swim too. So kind of interesting that you know we have two like 
you know, hip hop rappers that are pretty much like degrees away from each other with, you'll get into it, but working with Frank Ocean and stuff too. Mm -hmm. And like having Frank Ocean involved, but kind of cool that they both had those type of shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think it's coincidence. uh, Like you mentioned, he worked with Frank Ocean. Uh, Odd Future is a very creative genre, expansive hip hop group. So I I can see why Andre 3000 was drawn to that. Uh, While he didn't release any solo album, he did crank out some features Frank Ocean on both of his albums, uh, Pink Matter and Solo Reprise on um, Frank Ocean's second album, Blonde. He collaborated with Drake off of Drake's uh, Take Care album, James Blake a few times, Solange, Capital Cities, not hip-hop at all, uh, Travis Scott, Kid Cudi, Kanye West, Future, and more. And um, he did release an EP in 2018, two songs on a SoundCloud page, but other than that, no official music which is a shame, but I'm sure he'll crank out something. Also, do you remember that he was like playing the flute randomly in like a subway like that one? I forgot it was in New York City or somewhere, but like they're like, this is Andre 3000 playing the flute like in a subway. And I was like, that's freaking hilarious. Like he just was like going off and he's like, I would just want to do this. So I think he's enjoying his quote unquote retired life uh, of just doing features, but he's kind of just doing what he wants. He's still providing sound to the people in some form. Yeah. Maybe not monetizing it, but, you know, that's what a true musician does. Musician. Um, so, yeah, he did that. As we mentioned at the start of this episode, the duo reunited in 2014 for a tour. Both of us, all of us, have seen them. Uh, but they haven't released any plans to release an album in the future. With that said, if we look back at their very wide career, they put Southern Hip Hop on the map. Atlanta has been really the sound that's dominated the 2000s and I'd say the 2010s with Trap and made it commercial. Uh, Hey Ya was the thing that made it commercial, in my opinion. They uh, were successful before that within circles, but this elevated it to a mainstream audience across ages and people who preferred certain genres. And um, one thing I want to ask you guys is a lot, I think Drake gets a lot of credit for infusing singing and rapping. But I, upon researching this, I think Andre 3000 deserves much more credit because he maybe not didn't sing like hooks to the point of Drake and made it really popular, uh, but he kind of infused melodic rapping at a time where it really wasn't a thing and producers didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like softened that image up of, you know, uh, rappers, especially in the Atlanta scene. And maybe that paved the way to Kanye in 2004. Um, Kanye was doing his own thing while Outkast was doing theirs, but I think Andre 3000 was really a landmark artist, and Heya just kind of shows how. Um, what do you guys think about that? A hundred percent. You look at, especially rappers like Chance the Rapper, that man is melodic, yeah. out the ass, insane. In a beautiful um, way. Different yeah, voices, way. too. Oh, they each had 100%. different voices. Like yep. Andre 2000 and Chance the Rapper, which makes them unique in its own right. Definitely. Um, Drake, like you just mentioned, mentioned Drake. Um, Travis Scott does similar things, and he's collabed with him. Frank Ocean, not that he specifically raps, but when he gets in his lower tone, it's 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 all it almost feels like a rap. Um, that man to me was the pathfinder of that specific skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I think of personally is like on. Uh, 
Kid Cudi's album, um, when he featured Andre 3000 two times, not once, but two times, actually, that is something that was crazy to me because when you got like Frank Osher, you got Drake or James Blake, they got one feature from Andre 3000, right? Or even Kanye on The Life of Pablo. Mm -hmm. And you're like, having one feature was like crazy, right? To have Andre 3000 pop in and you're like, whoa, this is like, we are blessed to have Andre 3000 on our album. But to have, you know three sacks go on there. Um, and I believe he, he went off his, you know, normal name, not even Andre 3000, um, Andre Benjamin yep. with Kid Cudi twice on the album. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really cool. Kid Cudi's one of my favorite artists of all time. And to have that even in its own right, you know, to have these, you know, honestly birthing, you know, you think of like mm-hmm. Andre 3000 birthing Kid Cudi, Kanye, all these people, but then like Kid Cudi birthing, Travis Scott. It's just like generational, 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 honestly. And it's really cool to see that and, you know, to get one, but don't not alone get two was a huge feat. So I agree with you, Stefan, that if you don't get Andre 3000, you don't get maybe all, not all of Atlanta hip hop, but most of it, but also like Kanye, Kid Cudi, Drake, all those people. They always talk about Kid Cudi. Without Kid Cudi, there wouldn't be Kanye, but without Andre 3000, there wouldn't be maybe anyone to speak to that too so really cool to to kind of see it's not truly generational but you know phases of hip-hop yeah yeah and uh we talked about gen z at the beginning of this episode i think outcast might be a little before their time uh so if you're younger than us and you like juice world and you like a lot of these um you know 2010s 2020s rappers who incorporate kind of that singing even grunge sound into their music um Take a listen to Outkast and Andre 3000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for that breakdown of Outkast and Andre 3000, too. Um, a lot that we could talk about, I'm sure, with all these, but we were all blessed to see them in concert. So, really awesome that we get to learn a little bit more about them and, you know, about the speaker box to love below, too. So, Chris, let's get into the production breakdown with. Hey, yeah. So let's mm-hmm. take it away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, lots to talk about here and lots, a lot of paths that you could take in terms of influences. But for me, one of the things that's kind of always, I've always been curious about is uh, what exactly went on behind the scenes with recording this song. And when I looked it up, it's actually interesting how much, um, how much of this song kind of came even as an enigma within uh, the love below. Um, which was already, as we talked about, such a strange, um, you know, just creative uh, process. So, um, so Andre is the is the sole credited producer here as well as songwriter. Um, he he wrote the um, he wrote the accompaniment. He um, he played the guitar. He sang. He did apparently a, an enormous amount of takes. Um, I have an interview up uh, from MV, uh, MTV. Um, where he was, his recording engineer, Pete Novak, um, he, uh, he said he'd do 30 or 40 takes of each line. Wow. Um, and I'd say, all right, uh, let me put that one aside. That was a great performance. And he'd come in and and the one he'd like would be the one I'd want, I'd be about to relate, uh, erase. And after a while, I was just like, I'm not even going to try to read. Well, that's (laughs) crazy because, uh, our last episode, crazy. I didn't mean to do that. I did it. Um, you did it. CeeLo <laughs> recorded that song in one take. Right. 
So right now, now it's and I will say, like, I would have never predicted that just listening to the song. It sounds so fluid and natural. I have no idea um, where exactly um, where exactly the cuts would have been from a production standpoint. And that is really cool. Um, I think it's a testament to him for having such a solid vision going into the studio. Um, And so, uh, you know, in addition to the vocals, um, I think. The biggest thing is that this song kind of evokes the whole. So the whole Beatles thing is is very fitting because that those sorts of um, engineering techniques, kind of the panned, doubled guitars and whatnot, um, and even where they mixed uh, the drums kind of just above the bass. Um, I feel this reminds me a lot of especially later uh, era Beatles. Um, I, that's, that's one, one of the things, things that's always kind of stuck out to me. It almost, it almost sounds, sounds like an acoustic, acoustic track, track, you know, you know? Like, like, um, so they're, so they're using, using acoustic, acoustic drums. drums. Um, again, again Andre's Andre playing, playing the guitar, guitar, but he did a number of, uh, he did a number of takes, takes uh, for, for that, that as well. well. Um, and so, so again, again, I'm really, I'm really, really not positive how much, um, how much, how much of this he, you know, you know went, went in behind, behind the boards, boards and, and pieced together. together. But it, but really, it really sounds, sounds like he came, came in and said, these, these are the takes, takes I want. This, this is the exact, exact sound I want. I want and, and, this, and, and I'm going, going to play toward that, that as opposed to kind of cobbling something together, together after the fact. Um, which, which really, yeah, I, I really want to say that kind of has a direct lineage to the modern SoundCloud era. You have a lot of folks who are kind of amateur producers, amateur songwriters that are used to being able to take basically infinite takes. Um, but, but you're using, using you're using, using modern, modern uh, production techniques and modern, modern production um, apparatuses. You know, you know basically, basically digital um, digital mixers with infinite tracks, tracks essentially um, to, to do things, things that people were doing, doing in the sixties. Um, it, really it really does, does sound like a sixties kind of guitar, guitar style, style here, which has always which always stands out to me, especially given what else was on the radio at the time. So, so Andre is singing uh, is another thing, thing I want to kind of note. Um, he's, he's got, got some, some very, very slight um, kind of, it's either a phaser or like lander or something. I don't know. Something, something that's phasing, phasing on his voice. And that, and that may, may just be a doubling, doubling um, that's, that's kind of causing it. it. Uh, I, would, I would guess it's that doubling, Chris. Yeah. Do you think uh, it's just my experience with phasers and flangers and all that? Um yeah, it seems too subtle to be that. Right. It, it, it's, it's probably, probably another, another one of those, like, like kind of callback call back techniques, because, because it, it, really it really does just kind of, kind of it kind of just, just adds volume to it, to it as opposed to um, doing, doing any sort, sort of psychedelic effect. effect. But, right. but um, I mean, to that point, the entire thing does kind of have that 60s sort of pseudo-psychedelic vibe, and in a lot of ways, this actually kind of feels like a natural progression from some of the things they were doing on Equemini, um, namely one of my all-time favorite songs of theirs, Spodioti Dopalicious. Beautiful um, song. Incredible oh, song. And um, on its on its face, not necessarily a obvious direct comparison, but you know, a lot of um, a lot of melodic moments infused with rapping, a lot of kind of creative turns. Um, on the production end of things, you know, with the horns and whatnot. 
Um, but not only that, kind of a kind of the the way that he writes lyrics from a storytelling perspective, you know, on that song, it's much more kind of classic hip hop um, storytelling on this one. It's much more abstract. Um, Anthony, I'm sure we'll get more into some of the specific lines, but um, I've always kind of thought that I've always kind of thought that this is one of those songs where you could you could it makes a lot more sense within the context of the love below um, and kind of being a love song um, kind of specifically pulling that like kind of the dating phase, exploring something with with another person and kind of kind of playing off of each other's energy in a way is sort of the is kind of kind of the perspective that I get from it. Um, so I so I mean, that's kind of the majority of what I wanted to get across. But Carl, I actually kind of wanted to bring that over to you um, from a so from a performance standpoint in particular, but also just anything else that you have about production. What do you think? Um, what comes to mind about this song for you? It's fun, man. Um, this, it, So I, I mentioned way, way earlier in the show how inclusive this song is. You make a song like mm. this um, and, and you, you, you get a call and response with the audience, right? Mm. And I obviously remember when he, um, when he performed this at Lollapalooza and, hey, fellas, all right mm. now, ladies. Like, yeah. man, it, it ain't going to be, you can't, there's no one in the audience not shaking their ass or not ready to respond when he's <laughs> calling this out. To me, that's ingenious if you can install that into the song and people expect that coming, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, I love when I'm performing, I love um, crowd interaction um, and obviously try to make people feel like they're a part of the show. Um, but again, a smash hit like this and to do it to the caliber that Andre did it is it's, it's crazy. And like kind of like you just said, too. Um, the the love undertones of the song itself um everybody can relate to that everybody's been there you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's 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 man um genius honestly is the word that just keeps coming to my head yeah what do you think about his uh vocal performance sorry anthony but um i, I was just kind of curious about that carl just you as a vocalist it. you know man. i mean it's so Ooh. natural it's natural and it's it's natural and out of the box at the same time. Like he he if you're if you're classically trained, the stuff he's doing on the microphone, you're you're never told to, to do any of that. Um and I, I think that's probably part of the reason I'm so um just attracted to his his vo- his vocals, his vocal performances. Um again, it's out of the box. It, it's it's him, you know what I mean? Like that sure. he's pouring his heart and soul into to every performance obviously it sounds like but um yeah i i expect this song in particular and obviously the video that goes with it it's so out there and i just have so much respect for for just things that are way that could be seem way left field but they catch on for some reason i, I love that for sure yeah and with this one too like this is so left field and so different from anything we've heard from Outkast even to this point. Like, you know, you have some like pop influence with things like from their other albums, but how do you think that you take like a song like this, Carl, from like Hey Ya and like the influence from Outkast and put into your guys' stuff too? Because like you said, you you listen to Outkast, you listen to Chance the Rapper, people that were birthed by Outkast. So like 
how do you tie it into your guys' stuff too? Because even like off your latest album, you tie like I feel some type of outcast and Andre three thousand everything into it. Definitely. Um I'd say mostly on probably the way I record hooks. Um you mentioned um um Andre he'd he'd go like 30, 40 takes on one part. That seems insane, but when you're when you have the idea in your head and like you're so close to it, it's like I'm not doing I'm not stopping this shit until until I get the take I want. You know what I mean? But then it's like hey, I'm throwing some layers on top of this as well. So yeah, he did 30, 40 takes of one part, but now we mentioned the doubler. Now we gotta mention, oh, there's probably some kind of harmonies on this or the some kind of ad libs and all this and that. Um so definitely with me in particular, um, I'm influenced by the way they have written hooks. You look at, um, which I'm, we may get into if you guys do the segment in a little bit, but AT Aliens um, and Rosa Parks, those sound sound like crowdy, um, chanty hooks. And those are just layers on layers on layers. And I, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Can definitely vouch as a fan. Your vocals are fantastic, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so absolutely. So, you know, we have a lot of influences, too, even with Lavish and with everyone, too. So outcast to this day, too. So anything that you can else that you can wrap up with the production with this song, Chris? Honestly, not really. Um, Kind of one of the things that I keep saying about my favorite songs that we've done here. um, It takes a lot of work to make something that feels this simple and so obvious especially when it's something that's so out of the box on paper. Um, and I, I am, I, the minute that Andre, if he ever does um, see fit to record and release a solo album or a solo body of work, I will, I will be there in seconds. I, I can't wait to see um, whatever else he's able to do. If um, you know, if 17 years later he's still putting out quality like this mm-hmm. yeah and maybe he's been recording all this all along we, you know, we don't know what's going on maybe there were lucy's you know from other things he's been putting on too so yeah. great so awesome thank you for that breakdown of the production so carl and i here are going to get into some of the lyrics carl himself is a lyricist you know he helps write stuff for lavish so i'm going to bring him in on some of this stuff as well, too. Carl and nice. I have also That's known new each to other. Me. No pressure. Yeah. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Carl and I have known each other for a long time, too. So I, I'm used to throwing him out of the bus every once in a while, uh, as well, too. So, Carl, uh, as yes, a man. whole, what do you kind of yes, think man. about these lyrics uh, just as a whole? I know it's you know a typical pop song, but not a typical pop song at the same time. So what are your first yep. reactions kind of with these lyrics and when you kind of think about them uh, as a whole? They're fun, man. Um, th- and so, so we mentioned. Um, obviously, that's way later in the song. But shake it like a Polaroid, Polaroid picture. There's something the fans and the listeners can grab onto, and 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 just kind of um, they've done it before, if you would. Like, yeah, you're not supposed to shake it, but we've all shaken Polaroid pictures. <laughs> so you you remember that, and you hold on to it. Like, oh, that's the Polaroid song, or oh, this this that. Um, Again, I, I'm going to keep saying it. It's a genius. Um, so stuff like that, that is inclusive. It's, it's the songwriting behind this and just the, obviously the melody that the melodies they came up with and everything. It's 
I'm I'm so impressed with this song. Still, it, what was this? 2003. It was released. Yep. Yeah, it does not sound like that. No, 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 not at all. And like like you said, like you know, Stefan talked about with Andre 3000 actually like recording with melodies. You hear it in this song a lot, right? When he's ta- when he's rapping and when he's you know singing or like you said, like with Frank Ocean does, like kind of like rap sing at the same time. Like this was like the predecessor to a lot of that stuff. Um, and it is maybe the most simple chorus of anything that we have covered as a whole on this podcast. I mean, like, debatably it is. It The, the chorus is literally, hey, ya, but he sings it, right? And, like, you're like, how the hell does that work? You're singing two words over and over again, and you have it over these, you know, this production that is awesome, and that is a whole lyric, uh, the lyrics of the freaking chorus. Like, that in itself is just amazing because you're like, he didn't have to do anything else. He used his, you know, voice, his, the lyrics and everything to make it into this thing that was bigger than it was. And that's kind of the whole song in itself. It's conversational, right? You break it down and it is that love undertone. And like, you're like talking not only with yourself, but other people when you have the call and response later and everything with that too. Um, the call and response, like Carl said, like when you see it live, even you're in the club or you hear it, or I'm doing karaoke in Carmel, Indiana, and people are singing back, right? You're like, okay, now ladies. And then, like, I feel like the guys, even when the ladies part would go, you would, like, do it, like, upper tone. You'd be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For no reason, because you're like, I want to call in response to this song, too, right? So it was just this thing that was just infectious about the song from the start um, and everything, too. So we'll kind of just go through some of it. So... You know, the first chorus or the first verse, excuse me, is very simple. Um, but I think that the thing that sticks out is the thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how. And I feel like that really kind of breaks down like what people think of a lot of the time. Like, you know, you're like, hell, I don't know what's up or down or all around. Like during these times, especially with, you know, a pandemic happening, we're like, Man. What the fuck is going on half the time, right? So I thought that that was like kind of cool that includes that um, in it. It includes the love on your tones uh, as well. And then the second verse when he just goes, you think you've got it. Oh, you think you got it, but got it. Just don't get it till there's nothing at all. And he kind of does that thing where he goes like, oh, and he like extends it out. And then mm-hmm. he like does the upper and register with we get together, oh we get together, but separate's always better when there's feelings involved. Does the same thing over and over again. And he says, and what if they say nothing is forever? You know, he goes up like that. Yeah, he just like breaks into it and you're like it doesn't even seem like Andre Thousand is going into falsetto at that part, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like that is like I'm doing falsetto. I, I mean, I'm not Carl. Like, I can't go up and down and register. Like, I'm like, holy shit. Like, I, th- that's out of my range. But, like, how hard is that as a lyricist, Carl, to, like, go up and down like that and, like, you know, do that during the middle of a verse? Some people, it's, it's more natural for others. But I, that's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, that's so hard to do. And it takes it takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. But to do it, to do it, and write to do it, if that makes sense. Like he wrote that in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then just got right back to it, to, to how the flow was on the rest of the verse. It's incredible. It's incredible. 
Mm -hmm. And as he goes up, later he goes down. So he goes, so why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, are we so in denial when you know we're not happy here? And he goes down then afterwards, too. So after he goes up, he goes back down. And then he comes back on and goes, y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. And, like, you're like, holy shit. Holy shit. Like, like, you, you know, like, you, you don't, don't really think, think about it. About it. I, I, love, I love that part. And I love how the instrumentation follows his lyrics. Oh, yeah. Like, like it, it cuts out entirely, drops low. You hear the bass for a second, then ah, you don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. The chorus pops back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's incredible because it goes up and down and literally like all around. And you're like, hey, man, I'm just trying to like vibe and shake my ass like a Polaroid picture basically at this time. But like, but like, mm -hmm. there's so much more going on. And then he hits the chorus and he goes, you know, the hey, yeah. But then he gets a little like call and responses going on even here before we get into the bridge where he goes don't want to meet your daddy just want you in my caddy you know so he's talking about his cadillac which could be you know even going back to their first album when he's talking about you know with with that and then he goes don't want to meet your mama just want to make you come which i always thought was funny on the radio they would have to edit out you know just, just want, want to make, make you come <laughs> yeah you're like just want to make you and it would pause and you're like just want to make you what, what? uh what? and then he says I'm just being honest, you know, and I think that was kind of a play off of even like Miss Jackson, where he goes, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, I am for real. And he goes, hey, I just I'm just being honest, right? Like he's like, I haven't been dishonest or anything. That's what I'm doing with this. And then you hit the you know call and response. So, you you know, you hit the fellas. So, Carl, you know this part, right? You know, all right. Now, fellas, and they say, yeah. Now, what's being cooler than cool? Ice cold. Oh, I said what's cooler than me and cool, ice cold. And it's so simple for the guys, but, yeah, I mean, we're all guys here. And when you hear that in the club or you hear that, you're like, I'm going to scream this, and it's fucking awesome. And then he ice goes, cold. you know, just back to back, you know, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And you, like, break it down, and he breaks the ladies down. And even as a guy, we want to break down the ladies part. And he goes, I'm going to break this down in just a few seconds. You don't have to let me break this down for nothing. And this is my favorite line of the whole song when he goes, Now I want y'all uh, y'all on your baddest behavior. Let me some sugar. I am your neighbor. And that is such a good line when you really think about it. Like the best line of the whole song. Like, Carl, so like, we've had come people, on now. We've had people like come by and you're like, I need sugar, right? Or I need flour. So it's I've like, never had that happen. Well, okay, maybe you haven't. <laughs> or you've seen it in a cartoon. It was I've, probably I've an Andre Three Thousands cartoon or something. I've I've heard of it. Yeah, he's probably he probably told me at one point uh, when I was learning from him on Cartoon Network that that's <laughs> a thing that happens. But well, I think it's funny because the video itself is in the '60s, right? It's supposed to be like this '60s type stuff. So that's a very '60s thing to do. So he goes, "Let me some sugar. I am your neighbor," and he just like screams it out, and you're like. That is incredible. It's very little Richard at that part. Uh, yeah. yeah the like next thing I was going to say, next thing I was going to say, man, and, and if you look at the lyrics and all the, all the parentheses you'll see, and obviously that's kind of like ad libs and whatnot, but that, that is so little Richard or, or 1960s African-American rock and roll where they'll just take it and kind of freestyle and do their own thing over whether they have, they have the instrumental going, whether they're playing piano, whether they have, vocalist singing they're just doing their thing and it, it, it's such oh man 
genius and such mm-hmm. a great job done by that. And it's funny, again, you say 1960s. That's the the essence of the, the video as well. Yes. All of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And like a song that I think about with this too is like 30 Hours with Kanye and Andre 3000 when he like breaks down into his part like later on with 30 Hours. And like Kanye's kind of just going over the beat and he's like ad libbing, like you said, Carl. And then like he's like, yo, three stacks. And then three stacks, like, 30 hours and you're like it's, it's like the same thing like over and over again and you really just like go into it too so like just breaking down that type of stuff is is amazing because he goes all right like this is the breakdown i know it is and we're gonna do it and then hits his refrain we all know it we've talked about it you know when he says shake it just sh- 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 shake it and he goes shake it like a polaroid picture and it's just incredible and i remember hearing it i know Stefan, you said that you hadn't really heard about it like that you weren't supposed to do that but i remember watching i think it was like i love the 2000s or something on like mtv when you know mtv would play oh yeah like those are stuff great. about <laughs> yeah about music and then like they like talked about that and they're like you're not supposed to shake the polaroid picture and i was like fuck i didn't know that right like i'm like i'm 10 years old right and you're like i'm gonna shake it andre 2000 told me to shake the picture. i trust him <laughs> yeah i'm like i trust him with my life at this point essentially yeah. right he's giving me an incredible song i'm gonna shake this polaroid picture and it's just hilarious because even in the club like when they play it or something you you're doing it you can't see me doing it right now but you hold your your pointer finger and your thumb finger and you hold your three fingers out specific. and you shake it and yep. it is, it's very, everyone's seen it, right? That they've done that mm-hmm. wherever you've been. And then he just breaks it down to the, now all the Beyonce's and Lucy Lou's and baby dolls get on the floor. And then he goes, you know what to do. I don't know if he hits definitely like a, like, it's not a vocoder necessarily that he hits on that one, but it's just something that he does with his voice to manipulate it too. And like, Carl, you might be able to talk a little bit more about what he does with it, but it's just like one of those things where he like pitches it down or something that's like so mm. awesome too at that part when he hits his second bridge. Man, I think that's just a testament of the the vocalist that he is. I don't hear any type of vocoder or anything that would would drop the um, voice down and almost make it seem robotic. Right. I think he just does it with his voice. Um, if you will, he kind of like drops it in his chest almost, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. Funny, uh, funny note on that actually. So in that interview I was looking at, apparently they did do a couple of takes where he had tried out using vocoders and didn't use any of them. Yeah. So there's yeah. no vocoder on the song. He, but, uh, I love that, like, that he's willing. It. Yeah. Just to, Hey, let's try this out. If it don't work. All right, we'll figure something else out. And it's crazy. Cause it sounds like it is a vocoder. Like you're like, that has to be something that he's doing to his voice. And he just like goes down and like, we talked about up and down and, and everything that he's doing. Mm-hmm. So like to be able to do that at the end is like, is freaking amazing. And just, you know, sums it all up. And then he goes back into the chorus after that. So lyricism, everything on point. And it's just crazy that he can put in stuff that, you know, is not even true into the song. You know, you're not supposed to shake it. But he puts it in, and you're like, I'm just entranced. Like, I'm entranced in this yeah. song, and, like, I'm going to listen to it and, like, listen to everything you have to say. And I think that that's a testament not only to Outcast with everything, too, but just Andre 3000 being able to do everything he can. And you don't get a lot of people 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get a lot of people like Andre 3000 that come through music as a whole, and you don't get a lot of people like or like Outkast that come as a whole too. So to get this special of a song is something that I think we take for granted a lot too. And for sure. there are a lot of songs that, but this might be my favorite song that we've done as a whole. And I think like even if it's you know 182 or whatnot on Rolling Stone, like in my opinion, this is the best one that we've done all around. And if you don't have Andre 3000, you, you don't get this song. Yeah. So that is a full breakdown of Hey Ya by Outcast with this. So we're going to break out into some segments. The first segment we are going to do is top five Outcast songs. So I know I didn't prepare you guys uh, for this one, but I'm kind of excited to see what everyone chooses for their top five Outcast songs. So I'm actually going to start. Um, with this and before we do start though are we going to only include outcast as a whole so they have to be together speaker box the love below included or can we include some solo works as well what do you guys think man i'm be honest i think i would have enough just from outcast catalog but i mean big boys big boys solo stuff is great so i I don't know What, what do you think I'm I'm down to I kind of I'm I'm curious about Big Boy. Just obviously this was hyper focused on um Andre 3000, but Big Boy has his credits sure. in this song. So, you know what? If it's a Big Boy song that you want to throw in there, I'd say it's cool. I'm on board too. Right. I think that uh, widens the pool and definitely changes my rankings up. And I'm all for chaos. So let's do it. Let's do all it. right. Well, chaos it is. So I will start then. Actually, um, I have. So I'll go five to one, but I have two honorable mentions actually before that then, um, if we're going to include that. Um, My first honorable mention will be Kryptonite by Big Boy. Um, It's a feature, of course, too, um, but Kryptonite is an amazing song. Um, we all saw him perform it um, when he, you know, did his solo stuff um, with Outkast when he performed at Lala or Lufest. Um, Kryptonite mm-hmm. is one of those songs where he starts off the song, obviously. He's like, I be on that all day. I be on that all day. Straight up pimping. You want me? You can find me in the A. And like it just drops and you're like, this is fucking amazing. I remember him doing it with the purple lights and everything that was going on. Um, Kryptonite, obviously. Mm-hmm is a uh, term for marijuana, if you all don't know out there. So if you've heard the song, um, I know, right? Who would have thought on there? Um, But Kryptonite is an amazing song. Uh, Big Boy feature, um, but incredible song. So I had to include that on there. So I'm glad you guys did let me include some Big Boy songs because that's why I did that. Another honorable mention for me (laughs) will be Roses um, by Outkast. Great song. Uh, in its own right. Um, you know, your shits don't stink. So incredible uh, lines with that. But I'll start with my number five song then. Um, the Way You Move. Um, that's obviously the big boy uh, portion with uh, Speaker Box of Love Below. Um, Sleepy Brown. We talked about this. This is one of those that, you know, as much as Hey I wants to make you shake your ass, I feel like, you know, The Way You Move was one of those that you're like, I'm going to just, you know, dance and not worry about life for, for a couple moments. And it was what Stefan said, sultry, sultry in its, in its own right. It's very smooth. Um, that is a testament to that Sleepy Brown production. Um, number four for me is Spotty Yachty, Dopalicious. Um, the horns in that song are just incredible. Um, you know, it goes. And. There's just something about it when you hear like 
Andre come on, he's like, damn, 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 damn. And just you're just like, hey, the dams. yes. And mm-hmm. incredible album. I have that album on vinyl. It, it listens so well. Like, it was one of those that you're like, I need this on vinyl because you want to hear how yeah, smooth it's great. everything is. And you would get live instrumentation, you know, with hip hop. And, but I think like with Atlanta hip hop, this was one of the predecessors for a lot of that too, with having, um, that type of flow, that type of stuff too. Um, number three for me, Rosa Parks. I talked about this earlier. I had to light up when this song came on at Lollapalooza because it's so good. And, you know, everybody moved to the back of the bus and it's such an incredible line when you think about it. Um, to to put you know Rosa Parks in with that you know head of that song and Rosa Parks is so prevalent in you know c- civil rights and civil movements too so that's just incredible to in- include her with that number two for me uh, so fresh and so clean um, speaks for itself um, that song is just so fresh and so clean right and it's just like I remember when they played that live I'm like. I don't think they can get better than this. And it just would like every song they played. And you're like, this is just incredible. And then my number one song from them is B.O.B. Bombs Over Baghdad. They opened their show with this. And I remember like just they come out and Andre 3000 just dives right into it. And like you're like Stankonia is probably, in my opinion, the best outcast album um, you know, that might be up for interpretation, obviously, with everyone, but to open this up with the second side of that on vinyl is just amazing. And it was a perfect opening to the show and just a roller coaster with that too. So I would say that Bombs Over Bad Day would have to be my favorite uh outcast song. Sorry that Hey Ya didn't make it, but even commercially, I think that just with everything else that that would be what it was. So Top I'm gonna throw it have to be made. Yeah, it has to. Sacrifices, always. Uh, We've had, even Carl uh, voices displeasure for our Rihanna top fives, of course, too. So, uh, it happens. I had to do that, man. Okay. Let me just go on the record by saying um, Sex With Me needs to be considered a top ten song all time. great song. So amazing. (laughs) I know, none of us us included it in ours, and Carl was on the I was I was hurt when I heard you talk. <laughs> I was hurt. But but that that's way up there. Thanks, Rihanna, for that. Anyway. Yes. All right. Don't so, you worry. There's going to be many more Rihanna <laughs> top fives, I'm sure. All right. Let's throw it over to Stefan then next for his top five. Honorable mentions, of course, too, uh, in there if you have any for Outcast. Yeah, Honorable Mention, Outcast song. This is an album track from The Love Below, and it's really out there. It's called Take Off Your Cool. And uh, it's a duet with Nora Jones, who I love a lot. And there's, like, no percussion. It's Andre 3000 noodling on an acoustic guitar and actually doing pretty well. Um, And I discovered this song a few years ago. Um, Just like, I don't know if it's a Spotify Discover thing. But it's really cool. It's nothing like the rest of Outkast discography. I like that one. And then Shutterbug, like I mentioned previously, one of my favorite songs, honestly, of all time. I really like that song from Big Boy. So he's really successful. And I know this album, this uh, podcast episode has really featured a lot of Andre 3000 talk, but Big Boy deserves maybe an episode centered around him, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. So top five, um, starting at my number five, Miss Jackson. I love this song. When I think of college parties, I think of a lot of people 
singing this song in a group with the sticky floor. Some, some good <laughs> memories there. That sounds about right. Uh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure we've done that. All done that. Yeah. Yeah. You've all been there with me. So um, it's I just probably was singing. there at some point as well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I promise you that. So, yeah. If you have a college party, put on Miss Jackson. Watch people sing along. Number four, uh, we love these hoes. Maybe didn't age the best uh, from a political correctness <laughs> standpoint, but the production here is just beautiful. I think this is off of Stankonia. It's probably a, more of a big boy song. I think he's doing the majority of the rapping. And then uh, three, love the way you move. Anthony hit it. Sultry song. You get down to it. Uh, number two is B.O.B. for me. It's really a political song about Iraq, bombs over Baghdad. Uh, Pitchfork rated that the number one of the decade which I think is kind of high, but still a really good song. And then number one, I got to go Spotty Adi Dopalicious. Um, like Anthony touched on the horns, this song is really long, and I like long songs. It's almost Bob Dylan-esque in the way it tells a story from beginning to end. It's really narrative. I love the lyrics, so that's my number one. All right. Awesome. All right, Chris, let's hear your top five with honorable mentions, outcast songs. Chris always has some yeah. very out there ones, so I'm really excited to hear I love one. it. He always throws us for a loop. <laughs> well, okay, so I was, so this time I was actually writing down which ones I wanted to do, which is a concept <laughs> Rather for me. Rather than shooting from um, the hip. Yeah, the, usually I just shoot from the hip, but I realized pretty quickly I would have, I would have probably done all Equemini. I love Equemini. I also have it on vinyl, and that's, probably the one album of theirs that I that has gotten to a point where it's one of my most played like all like all the way through of hip hop albums for me um so I have a very special spot for it um as a result Rosa Parks um artist storytelling part one and two and Chonky Fire are all going to be honorable mentions um I love all of them y'all might know Chonky Fire for um God, which Kid Cudi song is... Oh, is it Down and Out? Ever. It is Down and Out, yeah. yeah. Um, I would know that, quite of a course, bit. yes. Yeah, <laughs> we talk quite a bit about Rosa Parks, and Art of Storytelling um, is classic. Uh, that's one of Andre Andre's best lyrics, I um, lyrical performances, I'd say. Um, I would also... I also want to put um, Mama Told Me, from uh, Big Boy's second album, uh, I, I forgot the name of it. I talked about it earlier, but the yeah, it has Kelly Rowland on it. That song's incredible. Vicious lies um, and something. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I I can see the the cover <laughs> art in my head. It's one of those albums. Um, so number five for me is going to be Skewed on the Barbie. Um, that's one of my favorite songs from Requiem and I by mm-hmm. far. Um, I think it's kind of counterpoint counterpart to Rosa Parks in terms of sound. And honestly, I think it's up there in terms of quality as well. Um, I will also put so fresh and so clean at number four. Uh, we talked quite a bit about that one, but yeah, seeing that live was absolutely ridiculous. Um, so good. You talk about, you talk about like call and respond. <laughs> Crazy. That perfect. Crazy. Um, yeah. Um, B.O.B. Bombs Over Baghdad, number three. I've always had a soft spot, soft spot for that song. It is just nuts. <laughs> like, even, it's chaos. Like, even before having seen it live, you get that energy. Um, 
I have never heard uh, a song anywhere close to that style at that BPM either. Um, and I think that it, that kind of goes to, you know, this came before Speaker Box Love Below. So that's pretty uh, that's pretty notable in and of itself. Um, I want to put um, Prototype, actually, oh, by Andre. <laughs> That is a a classic song. Tough, tough. Wow. God, I love that song. His, he, that, if you, if you thought Hey Ya was a fluke in terms of his solo performance ability and his singing ability and just his mic presence, like Jesus Christ, that song is beautiful. I remember when he did Prototype at, like on his tour and I was like, oh my God. Like it was one of those that you're like, He's not going to do it. And then he did. And you were like, and then he did it. Okay. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. And then of course, Spodio de Dopalicious is going to be number one. Um, That's, that's one of my all time favorite songs in general. Um, We've all talked about it a number of times for good reason. Um, I, I've heard so many covers, so many points that it's been sampled. It is such an influential song and just, such a just such a classic track. So I'm gonna let y'all marinate on that a little bit. Yeah, to speak just on one <laughs> of the samples I can think of off the top of my head, Chris is on uh, Stone Mountain by um, Charles Gambino when he did like the yeah. Gangster Girls mixtape. He did the um, he just did it in his Southern Hospitality. Like he did it for a quick sec where he did it with ATL, which Charles Gambino is from there. So makes sense. So yeah, yeah. amazing. So all right, Carl. Give us your top five outcast songs and honorable mentions are included as well. Go for it. Top five, taking the anchor. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go obviously start with honorable mentions first. And I, I do have a specific song in mind, but I would also like to include Andre 3000's features on pretty much anything he touches um, oh. to me. If, if that man has a, a verse on a song, he is at the caliber that I don't care how you feel about the song, you're going to wait on Andre 3000's first. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't give them out for anyone. Yeah. And he he doesn't. He doesn't. The specific song that I have in mind is um, The Real Her by Drake featuring Lil Wayne and Andre 3000. Um, Andre 3000 takes the anchor on this song, and to me he has the best verse on the song i loved lil wayne's verse um i remember first hearing the song i'm like damn wheezy just killed that and then andre 3000 comes in with something just smooth that you ain't heard before Mm -hmm. and it just incredible just incredible so um his features overall get that honorable mention specifically uh the real her um drake featuring Lil Wayne and Andre 3000. Number five on my list of top five, I have Funkin' Around. Have y'all heard that song? I don't think I have. Not in a minute. Um, so if you if you go to Spotify and you look under their discography, um, way down um, under uh, compilations, there's an album, it looks like, but is under compilations called Big Boy and Dre Present Outcast. And the oh, second shit. song on there is called Funkin' Around. Um, to me, this is... So there's an intro track, but this this is the ultimate and the epitome of what you want an intro track to be. There's horns. There's there's I've so much breath. The drums are incredible. The bass line is insane. The lyrics are crazy. Both go absolutely nuts. 
um, and and you you guys talk about Spotty uh, Adi Delicious as as being this incredible song, which it is, and it needs to get its credit. But this to me is the most underrated song that no one talks about from Outkast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that gets number five for me. Um, number four, so fresh, so clean. We talked about it. It's smooth. It's fresh. It's clean. Um, number three, I would go um, The Way You Move, another one we talked about. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier that The Way You Move was released right after, uh, as a single at least, right after um, Hey Ya. Uh, number two, uh, and these next two specifically, I love these two. Uh, they're two of my favorite um, hooks ever made, in my opinion. Um, just that chantiness I was talking about earlier. Um, and just it, it just gives the listener the ability to really grab onto a hook uh rosa parks at number two that hook is awesome chanty and number one would be for me at aliens um the hook is incredible but big boy starts you out and he goes berserk and tells the people that he's cooler than a polar bear's toenails (laughs) stop (laughs) big boy big boy that's where that's where you get everybody and then he finishes out his verse. They come in crazy with the hook. And then you know Andre 3000 comes in and kills it. That's my number one outcast track. Thank you for putting that one on there because yeah, no. it was about to be shut out and it deserves the spot. I, I, had, I yeah. had to get it up. And and none of us mentioned uh, International Players Anthem either no. by Andre with Andre 3000 feature. Um, I mean, we all saw it live too. That was a, a crazy, you know, one too so there, there's too many we 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 run into this problem so many times there's too many to yeah. go over right have so, to be made. so many the, but, the compilation made me remember a whole um the whole world as well yeah yeah fuck uh, th- that's what they close the score <laughs> th- that's what they close the show with was the whole world and you're like yeah there's too much we we were blessed to see them in concert and i i know none of us are going to miss them for multiple reasons but it was incredible that we all got to see them uh, as well too so well, those are our top five, so we're going to get into our, you know, legendary and signature segment, which will be the top ten back then. The top ten back then. The top ten back then is going to be brought to you by Chris. Chris, give mm-hmm. us the date for when Hey Ya went number one. We already went over that it went number one, and let's go from there. Yes. Um, and so this actually, we're going to run the clock back to December 13th, 2003. Came in just at the end of the year. We um, were all nine except for Carl. Carl would have been 10. Don't yeah. do this to me, Anthony. <laughs> You're our elder. So. My God. Well, um, well, I'm aware that we're, we're pretty pretty on into the recording at this point so i'm gonna i'm gonna not go too far into the lower half of the chart um but i will i will say that this is a this is a pretty interesting top 10 so we'll probably have a good amount to discuss um starting with number 10 uh walked out of heaven by jagged edge oh wow. <laughs> i now this is this is, the first time they've been mentioned on the show this is yeah. this is the first time Wow. wow. I I'm gonna be honest, I did not know this song was that big of a hit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes no. you don't think about the R and B era like 
being full of chart toppers the way it was, I guess, just right. due to age and all our ages, you know, it, but this is a classic. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about this song until you just mentioned it. Yeah. And this is not the remix. Um, this this is uh, a couple weeks later, the remix with Scarface started overtaking it and became the um, it became the version that was charting. This is the original. Um, it was on its way up to a peak at number six. Nice. A lot of radio play, I would assume, with this song. Oh, yeah. Jermaine Dupri production as well. Of course. Um, I mean, radio loved him at the time. Uh, For good reason. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Atlanta on as well. No, just surprised that you get two songs like Jagged Edge and Hey Ya in the same top ten. So right. it makes sense at the time, but also you don't really think about it. Yeah. So speaking of R&B as well, but um, maybe a little bit hasn't aged quite as well, um, is going to be Step in the Name of Love by R. Kelly uh, at number nine. Don't have to talk yeah. about that too much. Yeah. yeah, I think we can He's just gloss over our yeah. He will pop up, of course, but yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and a, a great musician, but some yeah. mistakes. Exactly. Yes. So that's up at number nine this week. Um, and I guess we can just move right on to a song that I know Anthony loves and I love as well uh, Sugar Sugar by Baby Bash and Frankie J. Whoa. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Dude. So this one got me, got me drifting so. high, lifted higher than the ceiling. How you so, <laughs> so this one, I thought it was actually a bigger hit. It's so it's at eight this week. The next week it would hit number seven. That's where it peaked. It peaked. Um, but it's, I think it's aged like wine. <laughs> it's I, would agree. So I was going to say it was on the radio for so long. Like, yeah, yeah okay. Number seven, but it, it, it stayed in rotation. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, like, at this time, so it did, uh, it was a radio number one hit, um, mm-hmm. and that's a good point, like, at this point, I wonder where radio was being weighted in these chart positions, we mentioned mm-hmm. that, hey, uh, so actually, as we were looking up, hey, uh, I was curious, and I looked it up, it was the first million-selling song on iTunes, um, and one of the one of the first massive hits from the digital download era. Um, wow. So... I think yeah, you know, it it at the right time. And yeah. later sampled by Robin Scholz for Sugar, too. You know, later in 2015, where it goes, Sugar, shit, how you get so fly. Like, that was literally sampled later. You remember that what? song on the radio no. by Robin Scholz? Yeah. You've all Robin, heard it. Oh, no, I remember Robin Scholz. I don't remember that song. Yeah, it was with uh, Francesco Yates. He, they did Sugar, Sugar. They did Sugar. They did, like... They go, sugar, how you get so fly? And it was just like EDM remix, essentially. That's in the Baby Bash Wikipedia article. It must be true. With 14 (laughs) on the mainstream top 40. All right, all right. Well, yeah, great song. Sorry I went to Roxy's in college and heard that song. Sorry. You you did go to Roxy's. Um, A lot. I heard it. So let's move on to number seven, which is a song that we definitely never heard in Roxy's. Uh, Here Without You by Three Doors Down. <laughs> they are uh, Trump supporters. Really? Oh, oh. Are they really? Yes. All right. They're so we're this. skipping number six this week. Number five. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Three Doors Down. You didn't have. Kryptonite. Wow. Just they didn't even they, it, they weren't even redeemable before that. But 
Um, okay, so that was actually number seven. Number six is much uh, better. We've got Holiday Inn, Chingy with Ludacris, and Snoop Dogg. Ooh, rising or falling? So I want to say it's falling, actually. Um, so we talked about yeah, it. It, it was high up. Okay. It is. It, it actually stayed in the top ten for a couple months. Um, it peaked at number three. Crazy. Wow. Okay. So that's a that's a great song, and well, also nice. also kind of a wild one if you think about it. Like I, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected this song to have been as big of a hit. It seems like it like it's one of those ones that would have been underrated, you know. But and it speaks to Ludacris in particular and Chingy. I guess this is like and, right after they're like yeah, they're just star power disturbing the, the peace. Just disturbing the peace is a label at the time too. This was yeah, what his yeah. first. Single or second one? One, this two. Is, yes, this is a second after right there. Yeah. I wonder so, if, um, you know, Polaroid paid Outkast some monies for uh, mentioning them. I wonder if Holiday Inn uh, gave some love to Chingy. Even though I, they had to spell it different. They had yeah, to they spell did. it different. They did. I was going to say. G-A-E. So they True. might not have gotten the rights. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, they helped with the brand awareness, so they should have. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people probably went and chilled at the Holiday Inn after that. I so. still do sometimes. Well, during normal yeah, time. If do. they have a pool, yeah, not right there. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, great song. Um, moving on up to another great song, "Baby Boy" by Beyonce and Sean Paul. Oh wow! That one oh, I have baby. not thought about yeah. in a long time. That's up there. Was he that. still Sean Paul of Young Bloods? Probably, yeah. right? No, this is Sean Paul. It's a different Sean Paul. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had to they had to differentiate no, this I is know. this is this is norm this is the sean paul temperature <laughs> sean paul this is this is our friend we, we love him. this is coming this is off of um beyonce's debut album and sean paul's album duddy rock uh yeah. which we all know features the smash hit like glue I love that song and several others, but mainly like glue. I feel like like glue doesn't get mentioned enough and I just love that song. So. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's my, um, that's my whole relation. But yeah, I mean, this is one of, this is one of Beyonce's big, uh, biggest initial hits. Um, I want to say it's her first solo. Number one. I'm not a hundred percent positive. If that's true or not, but it was Beyonce number one. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen very often, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one um, this one got certified gold, um, number one for nine weeks. Jesus! Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, the thirty eighth biggest song of the two thousands. Jeez. Yeah. 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 Just goes goes to show the Beyonce uh, the Beyonce power. It was it was also her longest running number one single until the also incredible Irreplaceable. Mm. You must not know about me. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to get to some Beyonce sooner rather than later. Um, so up to uh, up to number four, um, we've got Milkshake by Kellis. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's making. I think she made uh, cookbooks. That's what she's up to nowadays. And uh, Milkshake is food themed, so it makes sense. I can't. I, mean, I can't fault her. Gave her the platform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she Chris, wasn't there another it. song that Kellis was like big when we were in college? They made a song, or did I think of someone else. Um, last Kellis song that I remember was her song with David Guetta in like 2010. 
acapella. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Acapella is a great song. I'll give her that. Yeah, that is a good song. Um, maybe they had DJ Kellis. Never DJ Kellis. Never mind. I don't. We, yeah. I don't know. She, she also had Bossy a little bit. Oh, that's, that. that's a great maybe one. That's something. Yeah. I'm Bossy. That is yep. a great song. She's also the uh, host and judge of Cooked with Cannabis. Oh, really? Yeah, Damn, good for her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. First. I'm gonna have to check that out actually, because apparently it sounds like she's a uh, sounds like she's gotten in her cooking bag. That's what she's doing, and nowadays, uh, the 2020s, she's cooking up milkshakes yeah. and more. Well, milkshakes isn't really cooking, but changed my mind. Blending. Hey, hey man. That's hey, okay. man. We'll give her credit. All right. So, so, so what was number three song then? So number three we've talked about is uh the way you move outcast and sleepy oh. brown oh, so. is this falling is this falling or staying or what this is rising okay actually. yeah we go so, number two so no it so it, it would actually end up replacing hey god number one a few weeks later awesome big boy still gets his, well, his bag then. yeah i say a few weeks and nine weeks later <laughs> two months later but it still crazy top 10 that long struck gold back to back that's crazy yeah and and i'm glad too because the way you move is you, you know we we obviously just waxed forever about hey uh it's a fantastic mm-hmm. song but the way you move deserves its love that is yeah, a flawless song I'm like oh fuck okay yeah i i honestly think we should do an episode on that someday like i'm down um Maybe so, we'll have Carl back on for it. Let me know. I'd, yeah. I'd love me some outcasts, man. Yeah. Um, so, we... Yeah, I can't really think... Is there anything else that you guys want to mention about this song before we move on? I think we talked about it ad nauseum. Sultry, amazing, smooth. Cool. That's and Sleepy Brown production. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to another song that we can definitely describe as sultry. I'm just kidding. It's Stand Up by Ludacris with Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> now, with Stand Up, um, produced by Kanye, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It um, was. That, and it, this is, is coming song. down. Um, this is coming down after its week at number one the week before. Nice. So, it, it did go oh, yeah. on to be uh, nominated for a Grammy. And was the 87th biggest song of the decade. I didn't think it was that huge. Like, when I think of Ludacris, I don't think of Stand Up. I mean, I do remember the song, but number one seems high. That was, like, his one of, that was his, like, one of his big songs off of that album, actually. And that was Chicken and Beer. And he had Stand Up. And then there were, like, a couple, I mean, he had a couple other ones, too, off the album. But that was really his his big one um just for what i'm looking right now and yeah. i think it was just the sound the song sounded so different oh splash waterfalls was also on that remember when we talked about uh, that yeah, splash waterfall <laughs> okay I, I i remember stand up more than splash waterfalls yeah sure. those were yeah. the two big ones on the album actually and really helped him i think you know get to to be um he had the southern, southern hospitality remix but i mean other than that yeah, Stand Up was one of those that was just, it sounded so different for the time. I mean, almost like how Outkast was, you know, helping do the song. That That's what you kind of think of with, like, Southern hip-hop. Definitely. Yeah. 
Wow. Atlanta just just taking over that top three right there. Yeah, really. With quality, too. I mean, I I honestly think stand-up has aged really well also. Um, I heard that. In, I heard that in a club in Austin in like January. <laughs> did you did you stand up? I mean, I I think I did. <laughs> I, I think I was standing up. Right I would I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some things about that night. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, besides a couple of trash um, artists, I mean that that was a pretty solid top ten, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I would go for it. Sure. Not our best, but still a solid one. So, yeah. yeah. Very 2003. Extremely 2003. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just kind of a testament to Outkast. They're one of very few artists to replace themselves at number one um, on Billboard. Black Eyed Peas so. on there as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> two very different groups. Yeah, we all remember, <laughs> we all remember that summer of Boom Boom Pow and I Got a Feeling. <laughs> For better or for worse, it definitely so. Well, great. Thank you for that wrap-up, Chris. Um, And once again, that will wrap it up for another episode of Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, brought to you by the Los Lovely Boys and for Carl Lane this time. Carl, I'm going to give this chance for you right now to plug some of your stuff um, that is going on uh, with Lavish um, and anything else that you want to as well. Cool. Uh, thanks again for having me, gentlemen. If anyone listening is interested in some of our music, some of our videos, um, just our content in general, you can uh, visit our website at lavdotish.com. That's lav.ish.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram, um, the handle lavdotish. Uh, we have Facebook pages as well. We really pay attention to our Instagram, though. Um, and hey, you know what? Thanks again, gentlemen, for, for having us. Um, it, that, that was fun. I'm very glad I got to do this. Um, again, big fan of the show. Y'all keep doing what you're doing because I, I love um, your, your, uh, your opinions on music. I, I respect your, um, your taste in music, but your opinions and your evaluations and analysis on everything you've done. So keep it up, gentlemen. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for making the time. Um, I mean, it's been it's been great to bounce some ideas off. You. My pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was great to have a vocalist's perspective um, on the show. Hey, I'm a vocalist too, man. You guys forget about my time. <laughs> I need stuff too, you. but that's okay. I forgot about you. Start. Stream now. Yes. Yeah. Let me um, let me just say, definitely check out Lavish. You will not regret it. The um the record's amazing, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's great. So thank you so much then again, Carl, for coming on. We appreciate you uh doing it. You guys have any new music coming out soon, maybe? Man, right now we're um we're writing and uh producing like crazy. I'm getting new beats thrown at me every other day. Um yeah. I'm yeah. getting getting my taste of uh production as well, so that's nice. But um nice. nice. Again, I mean shows aren't aren't happening because of COVID, but you know, we're gonna, we're, we're still going to make do. There's been talks of, um, maybe we can do something virtual coming up, but, um, I'll keep you guys in the loop about that. But, um, yeah, for (laughs) now it's, it's just production and, and writing a lot of that. Can't wait, man. Thank you. Thank you. Please go stream 
lavish that's lab.ish go check them out and everything that they have too and also go follow us on instagram twitter anywhere you can um at los lovely boys if you want to email us you know with anything that you can email us at los lovely boys llc at gmail.com and for my co-host chris and stefan and for carl lane and lavish hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one we'll see you next time